0: Welcome to the Story Scribe Podcast, the place in which we talk about stories, whether they are in books, on screen, over a speaker, or around a table. I'm your host, Blake Oliver. Today's episode are 12 steps creating a story driven character for Dungeons and Dragons or another TTRPG game. Um, while different groups have different focuses, I run a heavy story game um everything is central or everything that's central is like the arc of the campaign the arcs of each character there's combat but i like to include that only like as needed um not not a lot of random encounters um unless the written campaign that i'm running calls for it um there are a couple of steps that I walk my own players through whenever I'm working with them to create characters for my campaign. And there's this, they're the same steps that I go through when I'm creating a character. So um, it sounds like a lot, but I promise it's not. Uh, stick with me. Here's 12 steps for creating a story-driven character. The first step is pretty easy. It's creating a general concept. Uh, I would start off with something super, super general, Um, maybe with just a key decision or two that regardless of what else is going on, you're definitely wanting to go for that story. Um, I usually have um, a session zero. And so uh, usually I'll, I'll kind of ask before even a session zero, kind of like what races or classes or like a general story um, they're looking for. Um, so for example, I knew for the last character I created that I wanted to more or less create an empire of taverns. So my, my character was a bard and I knew that I wanted to be a business bard, uh, more or less. I wanted to set up a a whole uh, franchise of, different taverns that bared the same name and which would all end up paying my bard money. Um, some of this might come from the setting in general. So, for example, I knew in the new campaign that my new character is in that it was going to be in Kalimshan, uh, which is a part of the Forgotten Realms. Uh, it's kind of like the Middle Eastern part, if you will. Um, and so, like, genies are prevalent within the history and so therefore I knew I wanted to connect my character to that place even if we wouldn't stay there uh, because I wanted to make sure my character was grounded for the campaign so I knew I wanted my character to be a Janazi, and that was about it I didn't know exactly how they were within the campaign setting I just knew that was what I was going for Now, the second aspect that you might want to choose whenever you're creating a character is uh, a race and a name. So usually within D&D, when you're looking up the the races in the player's handbook, you end up finding names there. That's why I kind of choose that, because until I really can know my character's name, I don't really get an idea of them. So I, I want to make sure to get these sorts of things hammered out pretty early. Um, if you don't make this decision right now, you might switch this with the third step, um, but, but I usually end up going for a race and a name um, because that usually if you end up choosing a race, you end up getting the tables or whatever to choose your name um i highly recommend Xanthar's guide to everything for na- the names tables at the back even if you're not usually a dnd player or a ttrpg player having a whole bunch of names that you can choose from for your other uh ttrpg or for you the book that you're writing or whatever can really be helpful um you can also pick up some of the other books that are out there but Xanthar's guide to everything super super helpful um knowing that At that point, my uh, last character was going to be in an interdimensional plane uh, or campaign. I wanted to make sure that I represented my favorite setting, which is Eberron, even though Eberron's setting is like we're divided from other dimensions. So interdimensional should be impossible, if not super, super difficult. And so... Uh, but I decided to do a dragonmark halfling from Eberron, specifically the dragon mark of hospitality, so I could benefit from the bonuses of making friends wherever I go. Because again, I wanted to create that empire of taverns for him. Um, and like I said, I already... And I called him Yorin just because that was one of the main names for a main halfling within, with that dragon mark. So kind of named after uh, great-great-granduncle, if you will. Um, I also, for my new campaign, my new character... Uh I named him Samir because it was one of the names from the Arabic section from Xanathar's. Uh, and I knew that I wanted to give him a name that was more like that. Um, and I knew that uh, I already knew that I wanted him to be a Janazi, So I had already chosen that. The third step is to choose a homeland. This is another step uh, in creating a character's backstory you know, this is where they grew up. This is uh, what the the nation around them was like. What are the major insights someone from that culture would have about life? So, uh, the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount supplement, uh, which is from Critical Role uh, and Wizards of the Coast, has some great ideas about nationality and how it works there. Um, It created the Character Chronicle, and that is something that, like, I kind of homebrewed for my own homebrew campaign uh, and world. And uh, I'm actively making a full one for Eberron. I've got kind of like little chapters uh, going so far on the Dungeon Masters Guild. If you're interested, Um, I I try and bundle them all together, and I'm working to create all of them uh, in one supplement. Uh, but it's just taken me some time because Eberron is massive when it comes to nationalities. Um, if you start with a homeland at this point, then you can usually figure out what kind of like social status you have, um, either within like the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount or a self-created table. Um, and from there, you can kind of figure out like your home settlement within the Explorer's Guide to Mount and kind of like root your character firmly in the world. So especially, you know, if your DM says... Hey, we're going to this place, and like you're like, Hey, I'm from that place, or if they don't know that you're from that place, like maybe you could be from that place. Um, and that kind of roots them firmly in the world and gives them something to care about. Um, if you're uh, a local, you're going to be treated a lot differently, uh, than if you are an outsider working on your current quest, usually. Um, the general idea around this for me especially like so you my my halfling bard was a complete outsider that was kind of the point of that campaign uh was that we were all we could be from anywhere and we we kind of ended up being the tva from loki but for um the forgotten realms in this case um and then for my new campaign though i chose samir my uh Janazi to be from kalumshan which is I knew was going to be a recurring place because that was going to be where the adventure would keep coming back to between adventures so I wanted him to be based where uh I knew I'd have downtime my character would have downtime um and I wanted him to have a stake with what was going on there so um that that was why I chose that the fourth step in creating a story-driven character is to choose a background. This kind of breaks with the order of what is originally given within like the player's handbook, um, but I view it as the next step before choosing a class or anything else. Because before your character was an adventurer, which is when they would take on their class, they probably had some kind of like background profession or event which defined them before they became an adventurer um this is also where you end up choosing like personality traits your ideal your bond your flaw all of which end up defining a lot of your character and if you're looking for something a little bit more complicated you can look at some of like the other backgrounds and add traits and ideals and bonds and flaws from other ones into the one that you end up choosing so for example if you're a very religious soldier you might look at both of the, the, the acolyte and the soldier background, and end up making your character based off of that. Or there are some um backgrounds like the Inheritor from uh like the Ravenloft uh supplement, which you know has a couple of things but which you really probably should pull from a couple of different backgrounds in order to flavor your character and create one that makes sense to you and who you want to be. Um, so, uh, the you can also, of course, like come up with one on your own, but I would say that it's a a good idea to work with your DM to create that, especially uh, if you've got one of those. Like, so for my case, again, uh, for Samir, I knew that Janazi at this point, I had started to learn that Janazi used to be like the rulers and like humans really don't like them, and like this was when like genies and Janazi kind of worked to enslave humans and such. Uh, within Callumshan, so I wanted to my, make my character the an inheritor, so I chose that background, and I've worked with my DM to create that one. Um, versus, you know, Yorin, my bard, was just uh, a, an entertainer. He just had that as the background, and just kind of had this idea that he was going to become a uh, a tavern owner and then that tavern would spawn more taverns and eventually he would just make all the money uh he wanted to make money but he wanted to make it in good and legal ways and not like the the rogue brother that he ended up happen- having uh with the other player character who wanted to steal everything and destroy everything as we went um it's important to use your background especially uh, like mechanically because usually it will give you some very specific skills that your character more or less has to be good at. Um, it's not a list like with your classes where you can choose like, oh, I'll be good at animal handling and I'll be good at uh, athletics. If your background goes ahead and gives you animal handling, so you, you would need to know that to choose from the class list so you're not double choosing the same thing. Um, while the... Player's Handbook has the most available backgrounds. Um, I've also found that adapting the backgrounds from the Explorer's Guide to Wildemount or the Tal'Dorei stores book, which I'm excited about the new one that is uh, has just dropped by this point, um, and like the Ghosts of Saltmarsh, uh, can create a lot of good opportunities. Um, and this is, again, one of the many times I'll tell you to like, go get the Xanathar's Guide because the tables in there can help you come up with reasons that your character became your background. Uh, There are tables for that, so I highly recommend that again. So now you're probably thinking like, step five has to be like, choose a class, right? And I'm like, no, step five is to form the party with your other characters. So uh, you could have a whole bunch of random characters link up and take on a large challenge in a campaign, but it's much, much better if you form some bonds between characters before even the beginning during a session zero to see if there's a way to smooth the transition from a bunch of individuals into a united party. Uh, This is usually one of the things I think that makes and breaks some character parties. Um, So for example, I think that having already gone through one of my characters with Joran, like we didn't make very strong bonds. And even the bonds that we ended up making uh, didn't work. So like my character, my, my brother sold me out a whole bunch of times. Um, and he was like, that's my character. And I was like, oh, well, cool. Um, but the, not trying to rag on, on that, but like, you know, being from even different realms and not having a lot of commonality doesn't help. Um, I would say that that was probably the most like a, a typical party that I've seen um but if you can go ahead and combine them for whatever reason even if it's just like they've been traveling together for a couple of weeks and they've been set on a specific task that can help a lot um Tasha's Cauldron of Everything has some great insights in how to form a party especially because they end up bringing patrons into the game uh which is adapting a concept from my favorite setting of Eberron um and that gives you this idea that there is someone who formed the party and is giving the party missions and some of them especially with the eberron uh supplement will kind of say like you need to have a uh safe cracker you need to have a fast talker and you need to have certain roles kind of filled uh and that doesn't necessarily choose your class for you but it does mean that certain people will kind of have certain parts that they are intended to play within the game. And that can be also very helpful because, uh, you know, you don't want to metagame too much, but there is the aspect of, like, if you are the, the person who is supposed to check for traps, like, that's your job every time. And so, like, the other people know that they don't have to or shouldn't have to because your job is really to check for the traps and disarm the traps. So finally, we come to step six, which is to choose a class. You've probably had this in mind all along, uh, but this is where you want to have some important bases covered according to uh, Live to Tell the Tale, which is a book I highly recommend. I'm not being paid to to tell you that. That's just a book that I really like. So I would say every party needs to have someone who can be in the front line, someone who does magic, and someone who does healing. So you might have a magic... healer and that is fine but you want to make sure that you have at least like someone who can take a hit for the group and is leading the charge and someone who can do magic uh because pretty much every campaign is going to have some people who's going to run up in your face and try to attack you and some every campaign is going to have like some magic that needs to happen especially being able to heal yourself is usually super, super important. So uh, that can be divided up if you have multiple magic users, or that might be the same person, uh, like a cleric and a wizard. Uh, But you want to make sure to have, I would say, those three covered. Other than that, like all the other kind of roles are kind of open to interpretation as to how needed they might be. Um, If you use the guidelines of the patron, uh, patron, you should be able to find some distinct, like, jobs within the group, so, um, and again, like, Xanathar's Guide has a whole bunch of tables to help you come up with the reason your character became your class, uh, before that, to kind of give an extra story reason as to why you are the way you are, and why your patron probably chose you for the job, Um, but you might have to know what kind of campaign you're running, so, for example, uh, within, I always wanted to play a bard, so I wanted to do the bard in the last one, uh, that was one of the main things I knew I wanted to be, uh, but for the new campaign, I didn't necessarily know it. Um, I kind of got early on when I, I chose Janazi and I chose uh, Kalimshan. It, it it kind of fell in that I would choose the new uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything subclass for Warlock, which is the genie. Um, so more or less for me, my character's patron as a Warlock is not the same. <coughs> as our patron for the game but my character's patron as a warlock is actually their dad they get their powers from their genie dad so um you you might have those sorts of things now you might also know that like we're an adventuring party and we need to be able to break into places so someone probably needs to be a rogue um or like you know we might have uh some other roles that need to be filled Um, like a a role that kind of does more frontline and healing. So like a paladin, um, any of those can do just fine. And here is where we will take a break halfway through the list. Uh, When we come back, we will talk about all of the other mechanical and story elements that you will want to do to kind of solidify your character. So come back. And we're back for number seven, which is to get your stats. You know, you might roll your stats. The, that's usually how I have my characters create their their stats and the, for their abilities. Um, or you might have like a point buy or do the standard array, whatever it is. Uh, you will finally choose the stats for your character, trying to keep all of the things in mind. Um, this is obviously where like some people might be like, well, you want to choose what's most optimum. But like, You can also just choose what story. And hopefully those things should not be completely off. So like, yeah, you're probably not going to play a wizard with a low intelligence just because like to be a wizard means you've studied a lot of books in order to get that knowledge. If you wanted to be a different kind of spellcaster, you should probably choose something else um, as, as your class. So, you know, you wouldn't choose to have your sorcerer to have a low charisma because that's what they're based off of. If they were a wisdom caster, they probably would have chosen to be a druid or a cleric. Um, that that's what most are probably going to choose. Now that might not be your highest statistic. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of arguments for a cleric uh, not having their wisdom as their highest, especially because if you want to create kind of a frontline cleric. Uh, You might choose that it's really high dex, or you might choose a really high constitution or strength because you want them to be up in front. Um, But you're going to make those story decisions with the stats. Um, And then we're going to just jump into number eight, which is to get your equipment. So you might end up, you know, having gold amounts that your DM allows you to choose from. And like, that's how you end up buying equipment, or you might just choose all the selecting of the basics, uh, especially with the D&D Beyond app. I love just like, just give me the very, very basics, and I'll just go ahead and get started when I create my character. Now, this is also one where if you get the option to choose multiple weapons, it might be interesting and good to decide uh, to get different kinds of damage. So there are some things, most things it's not ne- necessarily going to matter too too much. Uh, I'm thinking about, like, skeletons and zombies. So a skeleton is really weak to bludgeoning damage, but it's not to piercing damage. So I like to have, like, a weapon that does piercing, like my daggers for Samir. Uh, I also have a mace, and I also have a hatchet, so I can do um, piercing, slashing, and bludgeoning damage. So I have all the kinds of damage in one go. Um, The... Number nine step is to roll or create relationships, however that ends up working. The Explorer's Guide to Wildmount has like social status relationships. Um, I kind of choose a, a close bond system where like you get a number of people from your past equal to your charisma modifier. And more or less, that's the number of times that within the campaign, your character can say like, I know a guy who can help us or I know a person in this village and that's the amount of times I'll let you do that just as a free uh, assist to yourself or to the uh, campaign. Um, I also let that kind of be the number of people that you might you be able to use like the sidekick table with using Tasha's uh, and that that means that you can help level them up as you go as well. Now, step 10 is just generally create some life events. Um, you might have some things that you, you have in mind, um, but you might want to roll on certain tables or find certain things with working with your DM. Uh, I love the idea from the Explorer's Guide of, of Wildmount um, that there are fateful moments and mysterious secrets that every character gets. Um, so, regardless of the other tables that you might roll on from that book or from the Xanthar's Guide, I love the idea of creating like the fateful moment that defined your character uh, and set you along the path, um, and or like a mysterious secret which kind of created uh, this thing that you have to deal with at some point during the campaign. That's not necessarily in the story proper. So these are aspects that can be dealt with and make your character interesting, even you know, if you're doing tyranny of dragons, like I'm running with my players, uh, right now, um, you, you can have these separate moments that are just for your character, just for their story that a, a DM will hopefully work into the story to kind of give your character some, some cool moments at the table. Um, these can be created with the help of the DM and you definitely, if you want to create secrets that aren't within something or like make sure that they're the DM is willing to work those in. Um, because without that, like, you're going to create these moments and then be like, well, my my moment, I never got to do anything with it. And, like, it's important that anything that are from these life events show up. So, for example, uh, in the campaign that Samir is in right now, um, at the last session, one of the other characters revealed more or less a... Uh, a mysterious secret or faithful moment. Uh, I don't know exactly how to define it. Uh, they had something that we didn't know that they had, and it was a pretty big deal. And, well, I, I honestly don't know how it's going to end up working out at the table so far, so I can't speak on that. But more or less, like, we even talked about it with the the DM after, and, like, that moment now needs to be dealt with at some point. Otherwise, like, that character isn't going to be complete um that that character's story so it's important to realize that your character came from a place and that they're going to have some kind of baggage that they're probably going to need to deal with um you might not even need uh both a fateful moment and a mysterious secret maybe you just choose one and go with it um while i personally create a lot of my own secrets if i were in an Eberron campaign, and I've worked with my, my players with this, Like, there's Eberron Confidential on the Dungeon Masters Guild, and it's got a whole bunch of cool secrets and ways for uh, players to like create their own, a couple of tables for that. So like, again, I'm not being paid for that one either, but just another resource that you might look at. Uh, and even if you're just like, I want to come up with some secrets, these are kind of secrets that characters might have that might make them interesting. Um, now, I would say also... If at this point you've already created a character up through like statistics and equipment, like, and you've got some ideas of relationships, however your DM does their their close bonds, um, you know that one's a little unique to me. Um, the life events you might not want to create all the life events, and you definitely never want to write like three pages or more of a backstory because even your DM, as much as they love your character and are a cheerleader for it, as much as they love the the campaign that they're running, probably, hopefully, uh, they're not going to read three pages. You want some bullet points, and you want to talk to them about what you're hoping to do with those bullet points, how you're hoping that they show up in the table. So, um, for example, I know that for Samir, my new character, one of his moments was that his mother was murdered in front of him because i wanted that batman moment but i also wanted him to have um the mysterious secret which is that his dad is a very important genie from the before time and that is actually like he wears his uh he wears a ring from his father and that's like where he gets all his powers um and then like i would say for every for for however long your character is alive within the campaign, maybe you add a little bit more to their character with some more life events, but like especially at like level 1, you might not want to you might want to create like a fateful moment or a mysterious secret and not add another thing to it because your character might die and that will always make you sad if you've done a lot of character creation for it. Um character goals is the 11th step. The 11th step is called like the Prophecy within the Explorer's Guide to Wildmount Chronicle system. Um, But usually I like to think of having three character goals in mind, depending on the length of the campaign. That's kind of adapted from the Dragon Age TTRPG, actually, uh, where you've got kind of like a beginning, a middle, and a last, like a long-term goal for your character. This is creating your own character arc. Um, And again, you probably don't want to create all of them when you first create your character. So at the very beginning, you probably want to create an immediate goal. And like, you know, originally before I was doing a milestone system, which I'm trying out with the Tyranny of Dragons, which I'm pretty pleased with, actually, um, I usually had something as a goal for my character's um, for my player characters that was like, could explain technically why they achieved the subclass at level three. So for example, my ranger wanted to be a beast master. So their prophecy, their first goal was that they wanted to earn the trust of a bear companion. Um, but the bear companion will be unwelcome in the civilized world because there's usually kind of like two parts to a prophecy. There's the goal that they want to achieve and a sense of complication, which might ensue after. So more or less, like, everywhere they went, they had a bear that they had to be like, well, you've got to hang out outside the city, and if I want to hang out with you, I've got to hang out outside the city. Um, And and that kind of added a little bit of a complication to that. Um, But there was also a sense, like, as they went on in the campaign, their bear got as much notoriety as the other players, so the bear was like, allowed into villages and towns and stuff because they were like, oh, can I pet the bear? He's saved so many people. Um, the second prophecy goal or the second character goal should be kind of a longer term goal. Um, it should be a goal that like, once you've achieved the first goal, you should probably look back at another goal. And I'll, I'll go into a lot more detail on, on this in a later podcast. Um, but it's kind of like a middle goal And then your last one should be like the long-term goal, the goal that like looks to the future and kind of finishes your character's arc within the campaign and wraps up their story. Um, So for example, I know that um, a lot of probably my, our characters are going to wrap up their third goal with uh, literally a wish within the campaign that Samir is in. So the DM. Uh, Knows that like we are in kind of this competition for a a wish. And so our big wish is going to be like our third goal is to get that wish and use it in a certain way um, and hope that things work out a certain way. Um, And this is also like, again, this is best used with a DM who will reward you for achieving your goals. So, like, there are some mechanical rewards for the uh, Explorer's Guide to Wild Mount um they are usually used for inspiration um i could see a uh situation where for my current campaign with using the milestone system i'm more or less using it as a level up when you reach your goal you get a level uh because you've achieved something which also meant like i had to make it so that it wasn't a mechanical thing that happened at level three um in the same way because usually my characters were like, Oh, so I got my bear companion. So now I get to jump up to level four. And I was like, Nope, we got to change that. So, you know, your mileage may vary. And you might have to adapt this depending on your DM. And if you're a DM listening, like you can think through all of this, but usually um, I I try to figure out like an XP reward or some other kind of uh, reward to give them. That's a mechanical reward. Um, and like i said right now i'm using it within the milestone system as another way to do it now the 12th and last step that i've got is to create rumors um it's an aspect that i like to bring up uh every now and again and it's one that like your mileage may vary on and in certain campaigns it'll work and certain campaigns it won't and so You really, if you're a player, you want to ask your DM before it is you use this. If you're a DM, you should probably be aware that, like, you're going to work with some intrigue. That's usually where this is, and, like, I really love RP and intrigue, so I usually create some uh, rumors. This isn't super important if you decide not to, but the way I do it is I hand out, like, three to five index cards to each player, and then, like, they write certain elements on each card and then like fold them over we throw them in a hat we pull out different ones make sure they're not ours and then we like might know something about a character that is uh true or untrue so these are the five things up to five things that they can write about so the first one is a true thing that their character likely regrets or people think they should regret so like you know if a person murdered a whole town of people like They probably regret that. Or if they don't, they probably should. People would be like, You don't regret that? And they'd be like, No. Um, So, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, One true thing that their character is proud of, or people think they should be proud of. So, like, that their uh, parent is a war hero, and maybe their character is like, I'm not super proud of them. They they killed a whole bunch of people. Uh, But that, you know, people would generally be proud of a war hero. one completely or mostly false rumor about their characters that, uh, would be believable. Um, so, you know, for example, if I were to create a rumor about Yoren, my bard, um, saying that he has a child within every town that he's ever been to would be a mostly false rumor, hopefully, um to but it would be very believable because especially as we know at ttrpgs especially in DD, uh there's a certain stigma about bards and how they behave um the next one that i would offer is that a thing that their character thinks that they've heard about the character played by the player seated to their right and another one about the what their character thinks that they've heard about the character played or they could see the one to their left so again this is kind of meant to be in a session zero scenario. They've all kind of heard different things about their character. Um, it, they they should write their own or their the other character's name, not their own character name, um, so that there would be like another rumor going around. And those last two, like, I kind of end up going through them and being like, eh, and like let the other player look at the ones created for their character and like, if they're like no that's dumb like i don't include them um which sometimes means that i don't include them all the time um but it means that they're like they might include the secret as a rumor if they think others have heard it or might have noticed that they've traveled together um and not all rumors really need to be created again this is kind of more of something interesting to throw out there especially within like an intrigue campaign especially like your characters travel together and they don't really know each other Um, so they might hear rumors about each other in like taverns. So sometimes like they'll enter a tavern and I'll kind of like draw one and be like, oh, one of the, uh, the innkeep says, you're traveling with so-and-so there. I hear they, uh, saved a whole village by defeating a dragon on their own. One hand tied behind their back. And like, obviously that would be a false rumor, but there would be something to it. Um, so they probably did go to the village and probably did play a part in helping. Um, but players should usually try to to make that um, as believable as possible and as interesting as possible. Um, some some players might find that more interesting than others. I've definitely had players that are like, I don't even know what to do. I'm not I don't really care about it. But most of the players that end up playing my games really like it. Um, so those, are the 12 steps that I offer to creating a character. So thank you for listening to the StoryScribe podcast. If you liked this podcast, if you enjoyed it, if you thought it was helpful, I would really appreciate it if you liked or subscribed or left a review for this podcast. Uh, It would really help a lot if you did. Um, Sharing it out with other people is one of the main ways to grow. Um, If you want to support me personally, uh, I do have stuff on the DMs Guild. Uh, I do have a Patreon under Blake Oliver. Uh, If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at CBOliver22. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening again, and take care. (music) you. <music>